Hello, everybody. Welcome to ClapperCast, episode 75. I'm your host, as always, Carson Tamar, joined once again by Paul Price and Alina Falds, but you know who they are. We have another guest, though, this week, Aaron Brady. How are you doing? How's everyone doing today? Um, it's really great to be on here, guys. Um, I'm pretty excited to be here. This is my first podcast appearance ever, and I really appreciate Alina for seeing my desperate plea on Twitter for someone to get me on a podcast. Um, no problem. So, I your yeah. tweets are so funny, and I when I saw that you tweeted that, I was like, she would be perfect for us because we're all so crazy. So, like, are you calling you, me? Your crazy? tweets are just so funny <laughs> in a nice way, in an endearing way. Welcome to the podcast. We think you're insane. Alina is insulting guests already. Cool. I don't know. I'm just a that's just what a we do. Building her empire. What can I say? Exactly. Uh. Person, you should know by now this is like episode 70 something this is uh this entire podcast is built off us being mean to each other so <laughs> so so <laughs> yeah, like, Paul, when mr price is you know yeah mr price's grumpy there. show uh we got uh fan mail at one point and they said that <laughs> i was too mean and this was mr price's grumpy show <laughs> <laughs> And all I can figure is that I insulted one of the movies he liked, so... No, it's because you insulted us. <laughs> <laughs> and we would never he do that, that to you. <laughs> We've been I'm nothing sure but was... nice to you, you idiot, so... <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. All right, what movies are we talking about? Well, we have a bit... Well, actually, it's not that big of a week. We have Titan, the Palme d'Or winner. We have Venom, Let There Be Carnage, one of the most anticipated films of the year. And we have our Halloween highlights, our Halloween retrospective we're doing. But let's start off, Alina, we've been talking for months about Venom Let There Be Carnage. It's finally out. We've finally seen Venom 2. Did it live up to expectations? Alina, you can start. No. <laughs> I'm really sad about it. Because, <laughs> like, man, I watched Venom 2018, like, three fucking times now. I wouldn't say it's a great movie, but it's a fun movie because I've watched it three times. I think Tom Hardy is great in it. The lobster scene, iconic. So, like, I was expecting Venom to let there be carnage to, like, live up to the same hype, and it didn't. It just really let me down. And I feel like it had a lot of the same elements of the first movie, but the main problem I had with it is it just felt so rushed. Like, it's 90 minutes, but they just pack so much into here. And then they just, like, will say random stuff that seems relevant, and then they never expand on it. And I was just struggling when I was watching this in the movie theater at 10 p.m. the other night. Straight up. I was having an okay time, but I wanted to have a great time. You failed me. Are you shaking your head at me? Because it's a good movie. (laughs) Because everyone. wrong. Y'all were like, oh, it's going to be so dumb fun. And I saw this early, not to brag. But I saw this and I was like, okay, I'm going in expecting some fun. And for 97, yeah, Paul didn't see it early. Let's just be very clear. He hasn't, he doesn't get screeners because he's a loser. Uh, <laughs> but um, no, so I was expecting dumb fun and this gave me dumb fun. Like the fact that people are like, oh, it didn't live up to expectations. It's just people being stupid on screen for 97 I, minutes. Like it, no, I'm, I also, I will no, be heard. Not. I will be, I will be heard. Okay. Tom Hardy, fun. Woody Harrelson is a riot. Woody Harrelson, like just. No, Woody incredible. Harrelson is carnage, not riot. 
That's, I that's got that reference. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> but like, yeah, also, and I told you beforehand, like, it, you're not ready for this. It's just like CGI characters flipping each other off and like fighting for 97 minutes. But I think you mentioned how it's rushed. It needs to be rushed because there's nothing of value here. If this was any longer, it would be so painful. But it gets in and out. You have one fight. They I wanted it to be a longer done. person. Well, okay, wait. Erin, what'd you think? <laughs> um, I have not seen it yet, unfortunately. I just say it's um, good. Just say it's good. It, it <laughs> sounds very fun. It sounds like the most LGBTQ plus positive film of the year. Marvel could never. And I just want <laughs> to uh, bring to your guys' attention that Letterboxd finally updated the film uh, description forever it was just sequel to the 2018 hit film Venom <laughs> but they finally actually changed it to a like a decent enough synopsis uh, after finding a host body an investigative reporter Eddie Brock the alien symbiote must face a new enemy Carnage the alter ego of serial killer Cletus Cassidy and that's it that is which, interesting how that's false but okay <laughs> which isn't even is like not what happened remotely what happened in the film oh and um, they improve on the first one <laughs> by changing the haircut of woody harrelson because we all were like no, that I, sucks in the first no that was too okay so that was that, i think years. that was a downgrade i yeah. think that's a downgrade oh wow. um, <laughs> but it was two years later so i was like okay maybe he just like was about to get his haircut later that day i'm going to be mildly um, I'm going to talk about the one thing that really annoys me about this movie. Um, okay, so flashback. I'm a little bit older than you guys. So Carnage and Venom were like, uh, <laughs> were um, the like cool characters of being a kid. Like um, all the other kind of superhero villains were very neutered in comics um, at, or even cartoons and all this stuff. Venom and Carnage were not. They still ate people. They were still serial killers. Like, you knew them as the dark characters, um, almost like kind of the rest of horror villains, um, especially Carnage, who is like a serial killer who I believe occasionally ate people and then, like, becomes Carnage and full-on is like, oh, I can do this all the time now. And this whole movie is actually based on a comic series called Maximum Carnage, which is um includes uh shriek as well um who's his associate in this movie um but what's so interesting is uh spider-man's a huge part of that specific story so not being able to have spider-man kind of defeated what this movie was originally like what the plot of maximum carnage is and that's why this movie feels so weird maximum carnage is like if carnage got out if this pure evil got out, do you kill him or not? And the whole battle was supposed to be um, Venom being like, yes, you kill, you kill evil, you don't let him escape. And Spider-Man being like, we don't kill. We can't become worse than them. Um, you know, very the Batmans kind of thing. Um, so losing that, this movie is just kind of like <laughs> Woody Harrelson running around with Naomi Harris doing her worst performance I have ever seen her do. <laughs> I have, I love her in so many things. And I was like, what is happening in this? Um, especially that her character has the arc of an insane person and not like because she's insane. 
Um, so many weird things. But yeah, this was just, it's too goofy. It's too light. It kind of floats um, this whole time, which is really frustrating to me, honestly. Um, I wanted this to be great. Um, it is really funny, though. I have a friend, Chris, who's super, super positive on every movie, and we go see a lot of these superhero movies and stuff together. And every time I'll walk out and I'll be like, I didn't like Shang-Chi. And he'll be like, it's the greatest movie I've ever seen. And then I'll be like, you know, whatever. It's always, oh, I liked it. It's really fun. No matter like the faults. This, he walked out and he was like, this fucking piece of dog shit. I fucking hated whole walk home. <laughs> I was just like <laughs> screaming and cussing. And I was like, what is happening? I've never seen this. The closest I saw was like um, uber Star Wars fanboys from either Last Jedi or Rise of Skywalker is the last time I've ever, and he likes both of those. He likes them equally. Um, so like, this is like someone who is like, oh, I don't care about anything, hated this. Um, and I think it's a lot because they aren't the characters that they're supposed to be. So they're just like using the skins of like kind of semi-famous characters. And, you know, uh, for example, Carson, you probably don't know who Carnage is that much. You vaguely know him. Not at all. But like, yeah. So for your generation now and generations after this, Carnage is now a goofy, you know, weirdo who mm -hmm. murders schnauzers. Unwarranted expectations. Wait, wait. Listen. This is what happened with Halloween 2, 2009 also. <laughs> is that people have such a preconceived notion of what these characters are. They cannot appreciate when artists take them and do new artistic <laughs> of them. <laughs> So it's quite frankly, it really shows how small-minded you are that you can't see Carnage for I'm anything. I'm sorry I wanted Carnage to be a little scary. Listen. Quite frankly, this is what led to homophobia for the past centuries. Expect society, you expect society to look a certain way and then it doesn't. Just like how you expect You expect horror and they're just and quite camp. frankly, you hating Venom blindly, Venom 2, when it's a queer, a queer story, clearly, apparently, is quite frankly I'm sorry, homophobic, sorry. So one character, say. one character, Venom, saying, I just came out of Eddie's closet, is yeah. not yeah. queer representation. Yeah. Well, it's it, like kind of, if it was Disney, if it was Disney, it'd be revolutionary. For them, uh, well, yeah, so. but they'd cut they, it out yeah. in China. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I would just like to note that I liked this movie but slightly less than Carson and Carson yelled at me but Paul gave Venom <laughs> to a half star and you got a whole ass intellectual conversation back that's rude Carson I'm on your side <laughs> honestly I just like anything that makes my brain just like start going like one of those uh monkey with symbols toys <laughs> I just like hell yeah man that's that was me like if it just makes me feel like anything like I was feeling the last 30 minutes of malignance then I just like five stars right there you know <laughs> literally but the only problem amazing. I had with Venom too is I just wanted more backstory for certain things because like I don't know a lot about Carnage I don't know anything about like Carnage and Shriek and all these people I was like why does she scream like that why is Venom afraid of the red symbiotes? They never explain it. I want to know why. Especially 
well I feel like people know what the like bad credit scene is and like you can fairly mm-hmm. guess about it right so like oh, yeah. I'm sorry if I'm kind of spoiling it but oh, like, it was like for me anyways so okay I like how yeah. Lena just didn't ask you if you did and was no. just gonna say it <laughs> no because like I saw her she she knows I saw her tweet like everyone knows and like I even guessed about like what it was gonna be before I watched it and I was right so like what I'm saying is predictable this movie is going to like affect the wider MCU so I kind of wish that there was more backstory because like you guys said that like Shriek is a mutant and like apparently they mentioned that in the movie and I forgot about it but like I just wanted more because it does affect the wider MCU okay so I want I also want to like jump into this. Uh, this is like something that really bugs me about movies in general right now. Um, and it's the Detective Mulligan character. So he is introduced in the um, like uh, opening scene, I guess, um, as a young cadet or something, a young police officer. I don't know. Um, and young. They show- yeah, he's young and then they <laughs> flash forward. Okay. They jump ahead. All right. It's like Cletus is a child. Oh, by the way, it's Cletus is a child with Woody Harrelson's voice, which is one of the most upsetting things I have ever seen. <laughs> I'll give you that one. That one was a bit rough at first. <laughs> um, so anyway, they introduce, and the first thing you see from this guy is P. Mulligan. If you are a um, comic book fan, you know that P. Mulligan becomes Toxin. He becomes a symbiote. He's like the, uh, you know, next version i think he's carnage's child um so he's venom's grandson um it's like a you know thing that's known in the comics so you see that and there is an implication that he is going to be toxin and then they just give a teaser about the fact that he's going to be toxin so it's a very confusing thing that we're doing now in this like easter egg culture where they easter egged us in the opening scene only to give us, if you knew it, another Easter egg <laughs> of the same thing. And it's like, so what is this? Like, if he had shown up in the final battle, that's something that I understand. Oh, you set it up for fans. Otherwise, no. This is setting up for a third movie. What is the point of introducing who the character is and giving a wink and a nod for something that's going to be saved till 2024? <laughs> like, it's such a weird thing we're doing right now. And like, I see so many articles from like, you know, um, IGN and stuff like, oh my gosh, do you, do you see who that cameo was? And I feel like that's all it's for. It's for like those YouTubers that are like with the big red circle, like, do you know who this character is? So they can do a video about it. Um, it's so strange and does nothing for this movie um, to introduce so early that this is that character. Um, and also, it doesn't make any sense because this guy is clearly a good guy, and that's not what. <laughs> anyway, it's just weird. Speaking and speaking of which, I want I can't. I've there is, and this is what Alina was talking about when she saw my tweet. Is it really? Are they really going to adapt the storyline where Venom and Eddie have a kid? Uh. Wait. <laughs> because okay, so I'm apparently... gonna need someone to explain that one to me. But <laughs> <laughs> so am I because that's not the post credit scene. <laughs> no, because like what I heard was that before. Okay, spoilers for um 
the thing you probably already guessed was going to happen at first, whatever, I don't know. But um, apparently the program that Eddie and Venom are watching before like reality shifts is this, is a soap opera program in which a woman lies about being pregnant. So this, this is just what I heard. I don't know if this actually is like what happens. Yeah, that was but, So is that supposed to be a tease for the story, the comic storyline? <laughs> I would hope not. Kid? It play, That's it pl- a comic storyline? Wait a minute. <laughs> okay, they do introduce like Venom having kids because Carnage calls him dad. Yeah, well, that's like a very common thing with the symbiotes. I hope that they don't. I know what storyline you're talking about. Also, guys, um, <laughs> the thing about comics Peter that they've Parker's been going. Parents. Yeah, right. Venom, um, no. Venom and Yeti. So they've introduced a <laughs> lot of like comics have been going for a while, guys. And like there's a really famous uh, Spider-Man story where Mary Jane dies of radioactive cum. Like these are things that happen in the comics. Wish it was me. <laughs> not going to lie. <laughs> like it's like an old spider the funniest part is it's an old spider-man and they're like why are you sad and he's like well and then they like flash back to like her dying of cancer (laughs) it's a real bleak um yeah no uh that's kind of like so every kind of bad storyline no i think ultimately what we're probably gonna get is um from the leaks that I know for um, No Way Home, Venom's not involved. I'm guessing he's just another post-credit scene. Um, and Same. yeah, I know. So it's like just another tease. Um, and I would assume that we're just going to have him jump right back and it's we're going to go into Venom 3, which will probably be about Toxin and maybe them having a child. That would be great. You know, really just throw this off the rails completely. <laughs> oh. Honestly, I don't understand all I, this. All I care <laughs> I just about say. is all I care about is that Morbius has a huge part in the MCU. Let's go, Morbius Nation. Get our oh get our God. boy in there. Get our man in there. <laughs> Jared Leto. Dude, if Jared Leto joined the MCU, our it would be so much better for us, wouldn't it? Something looks like um, it would give us so much content. Think, what do you think would be his like big method? like gift for his mcu oh, co-stars oh, if he were to join it see i think it would Radioactive be blood cum. from <laughs> <laughs> but he tried to morbius keep up with the joker have radioactivity yeah morbius so doesn't have radioactivity I would, I would guess it's like the blood of previous like uh co-workers so like a big vat of margot robbie's blood and you know Viola Davis and like Denzel Washington, and, Remy Malek. Yeah, exactly. And he takes it slowly, but it's like a full human size amount of. <laughs> Except he found when he went through Malik, he pulled on the syringe and just nothing came out because that man is not alive because he cannot <laughs> act or give any emotion in any role he's in. Fuck you, Remy Malik. Oh, oh god. <laughs> okay, wait, 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 wait. I have two questions. So the first one is going back to this Venom Eddie having a child storyline. So is it like half symbiote, half human then? I'm confused. So is my cat, apparently, if you can hear him. Yes, we can. Loudly. Wait, what did you ask? Is uh, Venom and Eddie's child half symbiote? Because I think it's a full symbiote, if I remember correctly. 
Guys, we can't uh, I mean, contain I... two with Venom. We can't do it. <laughs> uh, let's see. Eddie and Venom's child. I'm looking it up. I I only know about that story. Dylan Brock. Okay, I just... Uh, okay, so the thing is, Dylan. it's actually he and Anne's child, but he has, like... um. Okay. Okay, so. that makes more sense to me. Okay. Like logistically. So okay, wait, my, wait. <laughs> it's Eddie and Anne's child, but it Eddie has sex with Anne while she's she venom. So it's like it's it's a mess. I mean, like, we're not doing that. <laughs> that oh, I, will want not that. Happen. I want no, that. I want that want that to happen. Detail. Um <laughs> hell yeah. My second what? question is um do, do we know what Jared Leto gave his house Gucci co-stars? I want to know. <laughs> I'm sure Does it's just come like, out yet? it's just Gucci. He just gave them all. It's just like a very normal gift, just to throw <laughs> everyone off. <laughs> I wonder, I wonder what he gave weird. his co-stars for Urban Legend. Oh God. <laughs> I cannot imagine Jared Leto going up to Lady Gaga and giving him giving her something weird. Like I, I love imagining would like not be able to her, do that. her being cast and like knowing that <laughs> he had done all this wild stuff and she's like. I was crazy. Now I'm a uh, important actress. She's Italian. Yeah, exactly. Segabagoo, you know. Oh God. Which, by the way, I know. I know this. Wait, was that a Chris Pratt impression? Because that was really good. Yes. Can't wait for playing Mario. It's me, Mario. It's. No, he messed it up. He said, "It's me, a Mario." That's not the voice. He didn't do it right. The best part. And no one no, mentioned, but, like, <laughs> he did it wrong. <laughs> he said, it's me, a Mario. <laughs> it's a me, a Mario. Um, no, what's so funny about that specific video um, is people cut it off at, it's a me, Mario. When I saw it online, the funniest part is when he says, that's not the voice. But if you, <laughs> but we've been working on the voice and um, what is it? We've been working on the voice and you can hear the voice in the movie uh, I'm so excited to play this character that I've wanted to play my entire life. <laughs> it's like <laughs> dreams and do he come has, true. Like, multiple tweets <laughs> about like hating Italians. <laughs> I see that's so surprising to me because I figured Chris Pratt like was not the type to tweet anything not wholesome. He seems like one of those people who like you have to get a couple drinks in before he starts throwing out stuff. No. <laughs> also, definitely think, though, like no, is he's an a alcoholic. Republican. So yeah, the thing is, I can't imagine him on the set of uh, like Parks and Rec, which I think is like one of the most liberal sets that has ever existed. That entire cast and crew was very staunchly liberal. I feel like he did um, a really good job about hiding his Republicanness until that like one Easter. <laughs> we all have that one Easter where it changes. I remember. I remember, Our real Tammy um, Faye moments. <laughs> <laughs> I remember um, the last like Parks and Rec reunion. The I believe it was their PCA reunion, like maybe like a year or so back. Um, I just I'm kind of obsessed with the fact that him and Aubrey Plaza clearly don't like each other anymore because like every time each other talk, they just were completely stone-faced or just like but, visibly annoyed i'm kind of obsessed with that so good uh yeah i've heard um 
that Aubrey's a lot to work with, so I can imagine, <laughs> which is my personal upsetting thing. Um, cool. We are very off topic on Venom. <laughs> you want me to bring it back to topic? No, to no, no, no. To- oh, go ahead. Because yeah. Okay, so um, this is just like one of my favorite, absolute favorite factoids about um, Venom and Carnage as and like symbiotes as a whole, because I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Halloween Horror Nights, but. <laughs> oh yeah. I know what you're gonna but, talk about. <laughs> yep. So I, I live in central Florida, which is where the cool Halloween Horror Nights is held in America, at least because uh, Japan's in Singapore's is insane. But anyways, um, in 2002, um, Marvel <laughs> somehow allowed them to do a haunted house themed around Carnage, and it was called Maximum Carnage. And you'll clear, you'll quickly understand why they never allowed them to do it again, because the entire storyline was the fact that Carnage had gotten out, but um but it did not end up in the way that the that the comic storyline did. In fact, Carnage just like completely wipes everybody out and makes them go insane. So that's the, the storyline for the house. And so what makes it so notable, besides the fact that obviously it's a Marvel haunted house, was because um, they decided to use like, some of the props in the house were like Captain America's bloody shield. They had corpses of the Marvel superheroes. I think Iron Man and Spider-Man were notable. The Punisher went was a notable character in the house because he had apparently gone insane and just wanted to start killing everybody. And it was it was certainly a time and you can clearly see why Marvel, despite them having the superhero island on Islands of Adventure, they would have never allowed that to happen ever again because what had apparently happened was the props and the exact storyline were not necessarily approved by Marvel. So they were not particularly happy with the fact that like so much of the iconography involved their iconic superheroes just like completely ravaged and so I just I really hope that someone does a deep dive oral history into um Maximum Carnage 2002 at Halloween Horror Nights I definitely recommend like yeah Yeah, I remember when I I used to go to um I used to go to um the Universal Studios all the time around that uh around that era and I remember everyone talking about it because we, I think it, we went in like Christmas and they're like, yeah, it was, it was a mess. <laughs> like basically it like genuinely sounds like my nightmare. Yeah. It was basically like all the, <laughs> all your favorite characters were just dead everywhere. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, well, if you went there and you have photos or you have stories, email us clappercast at gmail.com. We want to yes. hear about it <laughs> to our millions Please, of because, subscribers. <laughs> yeah. Because there's really surprisingly enough there's not a lot of surviving footage and photos of it 
which is weird considering the rest of the that event is fairly well documented but for some reason there's no, just not a lot of surviving like stuff yeah. of maximum carnage in particular which is weird because there there is also a Jurassic Park maze that same year which is far more well documented um than maximum carnage i i'm guessing it's because marvel just doesn't want anyone to acknowledge it so if i just suddenly stop tweeting for like a week or so call the authorities because they got me stanley personally went to everyone's house who went there and murdered them and took their footage so (laughs) so good (laughs) that is actually so fucking wild i didn't know universal did that i've only ever been during like march break I went twice. It's like a culture. It's huge every year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Our next film's Titan. I know this is going to get probably heated. So Alina, I would like to just have you start and tell me why it is good. Because full full disclosure, I hate this film. I hated it. So Alina, please start and just tell me why is this film good? Okay. So I got to see Titan or Titan or however the fuck you pronounce it. I am so sorry, French people, for not pronouncing your fucking movie title correctly. I don't care. Um, I saw this movie at TIFF. I'm so um, sorry. I don't like, care. On a whim because I. Okay. <laughs> I don't. No, um, I'm sorry. So I saw this. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to be nice and then I changed my mind. You really through. don't. You, on this podcast, I think you've been very anti-France anyway. So, but continue. Sorry. Listen, all Anglo-Canadians are anti-French by default. It's how we're bred. Okay. So Titan or however it's called. I got to see it at TIFF. I wasn't like anticipating this. I was not looking forward to it because it sounded scary and gross. And I was not looking forward to it. Like period. I didn't think I was going to see it at all, but it happened to fit into my press schedule. So I decided to go and see it like last minute. Um, and I walked into the theater and it was like screening on like one of the huge ass IMAX screens. Like it wasn't in IMAX, but it was on the big screen. And I was like, I feel like I've made a grave mistake and because I thought I was going to throw up. Um, but so like the movie starts and like for the first little bit, I was having like a rough time with it because it is like very disgusting and like bleak. But as the movie continued, I just got like really captivated by this like pseudo father daughter relationship that they present in the film. And I just, I found it really endearing by the end of it. And it was, I wasn't expecting that at all. So I feel like, like, I don't think it's like the most amazing movie of the year, but it's like a movie like I've never experienced before. So I generally had like a good, I had a good time watching it like by the end of it. So I'm sorry. I I thought it was cute. (laughs) Okay. Spoiler warning for everyone who's not seen Titan. We're getting into spoilers. Let's break down what this film is from my perspective, at least, because I don't think I've been this bored in the theater this year. Starts off with this woman who is killing people. She's a serial killer. Everyone she like, it seems at first it's like this guy who's harassing her, but then it just seems like she just kind of casually kills everyone who's close to her and like whoever she's making out with at the time. Okay, fine. You don't know her motivations for this. You don't know who this character is. You don't know anything about her other than this is just what she does. And she seems to have a strained relationship with her dad. It's not seen to be anything like bad. They just don't really talk. They're not really close, right? 
So she ends up in this like bad situation where she kills a bunch of people and she has to go on the run. She burns her house and her parents alive, which again, we've not seen that this is like a toxic, toxic relationship. So it's a little, okay, that's weird. And then she goes on the run and she decides to pose as this dead guy's son, which I agree the dad's the one good thing in this film. I think he's quite good and also hot. So that's good. But like, there's no character. So we're an hour in. We have no character motivation. We don't know who this character is. We don't know why she's killing people. We don't know why she needed to go on the run. Well, we know why she didn't go on the run, but we don't know what led her to this life, right? So then you go with her dad. And this is supposed to be a very endearing relationship, as you mentioned. But like, okay, it's not his son. And she's it's not her father. And you don't know the dysfunction between her and her other dad. So it seemingly was just like, well, then why is this so much different than that one? Because it's not even that great of a relationship. Like it's quite problematic and weird. And the song just continues with nothing. There's no motivations. There are no characters. There are no moments of emotion that works. Also this completely underlining thing of like, she fucked a car. You don't know why she fucked a car. You have not like, it's just, okay, she did that. And now she's giving birth. But the whole time, everyone's very casual when like she has fucking oil coming out of her tits and like she's her stomach is bursting open and there's metal. And I was like, okay, she's giving birth to a car. It's a little weird because it has nothing to do with anything else. I'm happy Doug agrees with me that this movie is stupid. Um, (laughs) So, okay, that's weird. Everyone acts like it's very casual, though. like people just see this and they're like, okay, that's cool. And then she gives birth and it's like not even something cool. I wanted like a full ass car to come out of her. And it's just this baby with like a seemingly <laughs> little bit of a metal spine. He has a couple metal bumps on his back. And it's like, really? That's the movie? That's what we built to? Feels like this movie has nothing going on. And every 10 minutes, they're just like, we need to do something shocking to like get audiences interested. Let's put a random scene of violence. Let's put like this firefighter explodes. Why not? And this character is also the most stupid character I've ever fucking seen in my life. She's trying to pose as this guy, but number one, she consistently just gets naked in the house, which like, boy, I hope someone doesn't open your unlocked door and sees a full pregnant woman there. That'd be pretty bad. Then she goes to this fucking firefighter party and she's trying to pass as a boy. So what does she do? She climbs on top of a fire truck and seductively dances like a woman. And everyone's like, what the fuck is happening here? This woman is so stupid. I hate this. Like it has nothing going on it is relying on shock value to interest audiences in the most cheap and basic level it can i would pay a hundred dollars to anyone to for anyone to explain to me like what the meaning of this film was if you introduce this character and you made it captivating she has this dysfunctional family she's you know all this stuff has happened that's why she has all this anger in her she's killing people and she finds this father and you know you have that relationship dynamic at least but there's none of that it's just random characters randomly moving through scenes and all this just random grossness she goes on a bus because she's gonna leave and she sees this guy harassing this woman and then she just leaves and it's like oh okay that wasn't pointless and everything is pointless it's a pointless film a pointless expression of nothingness i loved raw so i was really hopeful for this film but like this was fucking embarrassing i like i hate this movie it sucks (laughs) I wish Nick was here to defend this because like I agree with you for like a lot of what you just said Carson I'm like damn I can't like can't argue with it you're right 
I, I don't know. I feel like I was one of those stupid people that fell for all the like shockiness of it, but I don't, I don't know why I just found it so endearing. I think it has a lot to do with like Vincent Linden's performance mm. and, uh, or Vincent and, uh, <laughs> the, whoever the girl is. I, 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 I generally thought like the acting in this was like really incredible. And I think yeah. that's what made the, uh, father daughter relationship for me, especially since like, um, I don't know the actress's name, but like the girl who plays Alexia, how like she like never speaks, but like yeah. the relationship that gets like built between them, like without any dialogue, I think it worked really well. Like I, I generally just really love this movie purely because of that. It just worked for me. But um, I really hated all like the gross things in this. Like I, I had to shut my eyes for like so much of it, which was like a struggle because I also had to read some French subtitles for some of them. <laughs> but like, oh my God, this, this sink okay. scene, when she's like breaking her nose I almost that was like the one moment where I was like oh my god I'm like this close to leaving but like did you see the movie Jumbo I I liked it yeah the fucking stupid ass Ferris wheel one okay wow wow tea but I was gonna say like I was even disappointed by the sex scenes in this because the sex scenes in that's about a woman who fucks a amusement park right if you haven't seen it but like in that scene like she's the machine orgasms and there's just oil covering her and like at least that was memorable that was like mm-hmm. a fun sex scene here she's just like randomly kind of fucking a car and then cheats on the car with a fire truck a little like okay yeah. that was offensive it's a little weird but then also like you You're have right. this i didn't tying... even realize that parallel yeah then you also have this underlying factor of like she had some head trauma and they put a titanium skull in her mm-hmm. So does that have to do with something? Is this film trying to say like people who have this surgery are part car? Is that the thesis? I thought what they were going for was like the metal was making her crazy or something. How did it get to her stomach? I like, I, maybe the metal was just like, I have no idea. I was waiting for the baby I was ready for the (laughs) I was just like, because she has that one scene where she's really investigating. I wanted like, boom, boom, like a honking car. I was so sad that like, there was not a car that came out of her. I really thought it was just going to be a full car and I was so excited. I thought so too. I agree. Like there, there are definitely like things that they could have like done to make it like even crazier. And it's like, they definitely do go like balls to the wall with certain things, but then there are other things like the car baby that they should have just like gone harder on. And I think it would have makes the film work like a little bit better, but also like the jumbo parallel. I just can't stop thinking about that because like, that's also a French movie, isn't it? Or is it Belgian? No, it's French. I think. I don't know. What is with French people and fucking inanimate objects? Please tell me. That's weird. You know, I don't know. Both of these movies are so weird, but I, I like Titan better for some reason. Oh, I like I Jumbo better because like there was, you know what, a character in it. Titan, think about that. There was a character yeah. and she had motivations and she had an arc. It was crazy. I know. But yeah. I do I, think that there were some like generally endearing moments in Titan though. Like the, I liked the Macarena scene when like, they're doing CPR or whatever. I thought that was sweet. Yeah. And um, when like Alexia is trying to like help Vincent with his like needles and whatever, I don't know. I just there was like a lot of really <laughs> when, sweet moments when she was shooting them. him with um, steroids. <laughs> when yeah. Scene. No, I think it was cute on his end because he's grieving yeah. his son and like he doesn't care that this isn't mm-hmm. his son once he learns. I think it's endearing on his end. 
But on her end, it's yeah, like, I agree with you. but you also just murdered your family who were seemingly completely nice to you and okay with you. So like, you clearly are not supposed to root for this character, but then like, it just was weird. And it was like, what are you getting from him that you weren't getting to your family? They really needed to go into mm-hmm. the relationship between her and her family. Cause even the relationship yeah. with the dad, there's one, there's two scenes of this entire thing. There's one where she's eating food and they just don't talk to each other. But then the mom comes in and kisses her head and it's like pretty normal. It's not like, oh, super happy, but it's pretty normal. And the other one's just like him smoking a cigarette at night and like they see each other and that's it. Because you think at first it was she's the child from the opening because the opening starts with a child getting crushed and like head trauma. But then you learn that it was not that's the kid who she's replacing. So it's like, well so you don't even have that relationship between the father and it was just weird like there was nothing i really could not identify a single thing here that was like meaningful or a thesis or a purpose or a point the way this entire movie worked for me purely because of vincent linden's performance (laughs) he is hot like i will say the hot dad did like kind of save parts of it but Mm -hmm was a, not enough for me to be like anything about like the 1.5 that was strictly for him <laughs> and it, you know what the cinematography <laughs> was cool I'll give it that mm-hmm. I thought the directing was cool like I think there's well, technically it's, it's really cool I don't know I I thought it was cool it's Carson you're a hater <laughs> I, <laughs> I like, in this, argu- it. I really I like in this argument it was I can't disagree with that anything you said <laughs> <laughs> What it was like, I genuinely can't because, like, it's such a weird movie that I just like, I don't know why I liked it. I just did. I, I, I just did. Well, maybe do, Nick can defend it a little bit better because we did get a clip from Nick. He was super excited for this conversation. He knew we had two different sides of it. So we did send in a clip. So I guess let's go to that and see if it does anything to help the argument. Hello, dear listeners of Clappercast. It's Nicolo Grasso. It's it's been a while, but I wanted to just drop in for a couple minutes to talk to give my two cents on Titan. Titan, Titan. I don't know how it will be pronounced, <laughs> but um, I absolutely loved, loved, loved this movie. Um, to say that I was blown away by it would be an understatement. I really loved Julia Ducournau's previous film Raw. Um, I thought the way she used body horror to talk about adolescence, coming of age, exploring one's sexuality and sexual identity was very strong, was very unique, uh, even though reminiscent of David Cronenberg and other filmmakers like that. But with Titan, she really does come into her own. Um, this film is bonkers, batshit insane, incredible, um, and I will even say very heartwarming, wholesome, heartfelt. It's it's the type of completely messed up and shocking film that's not out of place in the whole canon of uh, French extremist cinema, but it's it's something that works simply because of the way the story unravels throughout. Um, just to go into spoilers for a second, you know the fact that this film explores uh, dysmorphia, um, it explores transsexuality or even non-binary identity. The fact that Alexia becomes the son, pretends to become the son of, of the fireman. Um, the fact that like she's she just wanted to be loved by her parents, but after the accident, they treat him they treat her as a freak, 
uh, you don't feel love in her household, you don't feel any type of passion. But then when she's with uh, Vincent Lindon, Vincent Lindon's character, I should say, that's where you can see that this place can actually become a family for her, and the fact that he doesn't judge her for who she is, it's incredibly heartwarming. Like, if we're talking about this, if we're analyzing the film under a queer perspective, it is very much belonging in that, in, in, in just a father accepting their child for whoever they are. It's, it's wonderful, it's powerful. But then you also add to that um, some moments of dark comedy, incredibly gross and disgusting violence, um, to me, this is the full package. Like, for for cinema, for movie making, this is what I love to see. I want to see things that I haven't seen before. I love the style in here, and I think there's a lot of depth. I know that uh, me and Alina are the more positive ones of the group, uh, um, but I do think it's it's a very multi-layered film. Um, questions about identity, about family, what, what it means to be a father, what it means to be a child, gender identity, all of those things. Like, it's it's a lot. And I personally thoroughly loved my time watching it. And as a fun fact, the cinema was full of elderly ladies. There were like at least a dozen of them, which was very fun. And none of them left. They stayed strong. There was one of them in my row, and she was fidgety for the entire runtime. And whenever something awful happened, she was just kind of like, Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> like constantly. Which added to the entertainment of the film. But yes, honestly, top five of the year for me. Um, I would love to watch it again on the big screen before they remove it because it just left me in shock. Um, and I know this has left Carson and Paul in shock. <laughs> so back to you guys. I generally don't know how to defend this movie. I feel like uh, it's it's one of those things. It's, it's either going to work for you or it doesn't. Sure. And like... Because, like, this is definitely not for, like, wider audiences. I didn't think it was for me either. And if it wasn't for Vincent Linden, I think I would have, this would have not been for me. Because I remember, like, granted, I saw this, like, three weeks ago. Um, and that's also why I'm, like, struggling a bit to defend it. Because I've watched, like, 60 movies since then. <laughs> um, but, I'm like, I remember when it first episode, started, I was... I'm going to have to defend a film I saw in January. So, <laughs> we'll see how yeah. that goes. Like, um... Yeah, because, like, I remember, like, for the first, like, little bit until, like, Vincent popped up, I was, like, really struggling with getting into the movie. And, like, now that we're talking about it today, because, like, I really liked it when it ended, but now that we're talking today, I'm like, did I only like it because of Vincent? <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. Like, I hate, I really, like, I cannot express enough how much I hate coming up. Granted, I was the only good one for Venom. Well, no, you were there on my side today. But, like, I really hate coming on here every week and being, like, hey, the movie everyone loves, it sucks. But like, I'm not going to lie about my experience. I feel bad. Like, I genuinely feel bad. But like, these movies suck, y'all. Y'all are wrong. It doesn't have... suck. You're either going to connect with it or you won't. And Carson didn't connect with it and I did. Alina, you, you liked it because of one guy. Dad? No. <laughs> I'm asking. Do you... you don't have a good relationship with your dad? No. <laughs> Okay, I do. So, like, maybe that's where things. I'm just trying to develop a theory here, Carson. But you like but you not thought trying to throw your daddy was... issues under the bus. No, but you <laughs> you're starting to play dirty now. Um, no, but like <laughs> maybe you just like this because you love the French because you're Canadian. Who knows? Um, no, but, no, but like okay, but you find it endearing someone who burned their father alive. 
No, I'm not talking about her original father. I'm talking about Vincent. No, I know, but like, that, how do you find that character endearing then, though? Because the daughter's psychotic. I don't find her endearing. Okay. I find, I, I think, I, the thing I find endearing about it is that he loves her no matter what. <laughs> I don't this know how endearing. I think it's, <laughs> I think it's kind of tragic how she's willing, how he's willing to like just be okay with it. Yeah, it's actually, it's sad, but I, I think it's, it's, didn't you give this 4.5? Changing my mind about this movie. <laughs> yes. A 4.5. Ladies and gentlemen, film Twitter in a nutshell. Shut up. <laughs> I really liked it until you ruined it. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I, I want you, like, I want people to like films. I'm fine with people liking films more than me. I just, yeah, I don't get this one. I think it's because you have daddy issues and I don't. <laughs> Maybe it's because your dad didn't love you and this is why. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You're, you really start but, I don't know. I, I actually like, I know. I, I like actually though, like that was like mainly jokes, but I would, I would be like interested to see like if there's is. a correlation between like people who have have a good relationship with their dad versus not having a relationship with their dad and enjoying this movie. I think I'm onto something here. Probably. <laughs> so everyone, we're gonna need everyone so, to email like Titan and if you have a good relationship with your father mm-hmm. or not. <laughs> yes. Do you have daddy issues? Email us. I would like to know. But I what? love reading TNS. If you have daddy issues, <laughs> wouldn't you like this more? Because like you desire someone like Vincent. Maybe I don't know. Because like I have a really good relationship with my dad, and I really liked Vincent. This is the but, worst like, conversation I, in the I, history I, I, of Clappercast, by the way. This was horrible. I know. <laughs> Paul isn't here to rein us in. <laughs> We're talking about if we have daddy issues or not. <laughs> where did the plot go me looking at titan though where's the plot actually <laughs> well i don't know it's shocking <laughs> it's fun you can go watch it it's gross people are gonna like it film twitter's gonna like it yeah well no they're gonna like it because the okay if this was not the director of raw of film most of film twitter loved like this was just a random director i don't think it would get any attention I don't think so either because I, I mainly like want to see this like one because it fit into my press schedule and two because everyone was hyping it up after like can yeah like but they didn't go to can people didn't think... see it at can people just decided they I liked know. the film before can people do that with a lot of things though yeah totally but, and th- this is one of them so I uh, I mean, I, I did actually enjoy it. And like, while you changed my mind on it a little bit, I still like do think it's a solid movie and it's like fun and shocking. That's why it worked for me. But like, I feel like it's very interesting that people get like so hyped up for like films that are coming that even if the movie does disappoint you, they won't admit it to themselves because like they spent all of that time hyping up the movie. Yeah. And like sunk cost fallacy. Like if like... This didn't happen to me, but like, I was fucking looking forward to Uncut Gems for months and months and months. And if I hated it, I would have said, told everyone that I liked it anyway, because I spent so much time hyping it up before. But I, I did actually like Uncut Gems, I promise. Yeah. I have a poster. 
Justin, Lena, I believe you um, that you liked Uncut Gems. Number one, I liked it yeah. also, so it's not hard to believe, but. Like, oh, imagine if House of Gucci comes out and Don't. we all hate it. That would be devastating. And then we would probably tell everyone that we liked it. I would have to like it. That's our min- that minimum is a four-star film. I'm obligated to like it. Okay, so there's a lot of theories about why people think Titanus dead. And I think those are all of them. I'm a scientist. And before we go any further, let's hear a word about the sponsor for today's episode. So, Paul, it's another week of doing your Road to Halloween special. Why don't you introduce what films we're talking about this week and you can lead the conversation. Cool. We are talking about Battle Royale and Uzumaki, also known as Spiral. Uh, I guess we'll start with Battle Royale. What do you guys think? Um, I liked battle royale paul but i feel like this is not your strongest week for recommendations but i also think it has to do with how i watched battle royale i don't know what it is about like or whatever but the version of battle royale on amazon prime is literally only the english dub and it was like watching i know it was like watching the worst like live action anime ever like the voice like the english dub voices literally sounded like i was watching an anime it was like genuinely an experience i don't think it was the experience the filmmakers were going for this is it was truly a time that's so embarrassing uh <laughs> because like <laughs> i i speaking actually uh i squid game which is kind of going to be related to this uh, mm-hmm. basically uh battle royale is a bunch of high school students are taken by the government and put on an island and told they have like 48 hours to kill each other. Um, and it's kind of, uh, a lot of people see it as like um, being ripped off later by the Hunger Games. Uh, there's some debate on whether she knew about it or not. Be careful of what you like, found the Hunger Games. I was a Hunger Games yeah. child, so watch oh, yourself. I know, I'm not saying anything <laughs> negative towards the Hunger Games. But it's like that's kind of um, for viewers who haven't watched Battle Royale. But um, Squid Game has the same kind of like feel to me. And it's really interesting uh, <laughs> when people like I went and watched uh, Squid Game with the dubbing over the subs. And uh, <laughs> it is wild. I went and watched the most emotional scene in Squid Game. And with the uh, dub on, the acting is so flat and so emotionless that I was like, I don't think I would like this show if I was watching dub, not sub. And it's so interesting because I was always one that didn't really care as a kid. And now that I've gotten older, it's really hard for me to watch. I also kind of feel like, although I do agree that the dubbing in both uh, Battle Royale and Squid Game, I they're not very particularly good, but I also kind of feel bad for saying that they're bad because I just know that those dubbers, those voice actors are underpaid and overworked. And I just, I feel bad for saying that they're bad, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I think well, they're I as think good it... as they can be for what they're mm-hmm. going for. I always watch everything uh, subbed instead of dubbed other than Money Heist because I was watching it with friends and the dub was actually pretty decent. But like, if you're watching something dubbed, inherently it's going to be bad. I also had to watch Battle Royale dubbed because it was the only thing available. And like, it's it's horrible, well, right? Like, it's not thing. good. It's weird. I don't know. I hate it. Like, Wait, you it watched even, it? It was on like, 
Sorry. That's it was, it was only available. It was only available mm-hmm. dubbed for me, unless like I wanted to pay money. But like if I can watch it for free on Tubi, yeah, I'm gonna watch that. Oh, I'm not paying money, Paul. I watched. I watched not it for on this podcast. I watched it on uh, the Hoopla app, which if you live in the U.S., you should totally get. It's through your library, um, and it was just one of my like 15 credits for the the week, and it was the extended version, which. Um, I think it's a little weird, actually. Erin, which version did you watch? Sub, dub, or <laughs> extended? Um, I, I'm i going to be honest. This is just purely going off of memory from when I watched it a while back. I am so sorry. Um, just because this week has been really crazy for me. I've been pretty busy, but I am a big Battle Royale fan. I was one of the obnoxious kids in my elementary and middle school who went people were talking about how much they loved Hunger Games. I was saying like, oh, I think Battle Royale actually did it better. And you know, those weird contrarian kids, I was totally one of those when it came to Battle Royale. <laughs> but um, yeah, the first time I actually watched it was was subbed. And just because I didn't like the way that it sounded dubbed, I think this was when it was still on Netflix. And um, thankfully, I was able to finagle their weird, like, subbing and dubbing mechanisms because that that UI, the Netflix UI, really is not that great when it comes to changing between subs and dubs. But I will have to say that Netflix, not Netflix's, uh, HBO Max's is way worse. Oh, yeah. Um, I haven't actually checked out HBO Max's dubbing yet um but yeah what i think is really interesting about battle royale outside of the fact that i just think it's a better version of something like the hunger games Mm -hmm. um in that you really feel the friendship of all these people and the brutality of that versus just random other children um is i had watched this i think in like 2003 2004 um right after it came out, actually one of my teachers gave me the book to read um, because I was booking through like the standardized testing we had. And they were like, just here, this is our biggest book. So it's the um, Battle Royale book is like a thousand pages. And uh, it is so good. I think it's far better than the movie actually. Mm -hmm. But having watched the movie, knowing the characters better, um, I think it really works because um, ultimately what what's different in the, the book is each one of the characters is fully introduced. You know their whole life. And then sometimes they'll last like the whole book and then the next, sometimes they'll die that chapter. And it's really fascinating to like every single child get to know. So like when they're showing up in the movie, I know their whole backstories, um, which does make like my viewing of this movie a little unfair. Um, it's the same way that like, you know, Harry Potter fans will be like, oh yeah, well, I know who Dobby is because there's all this stuff and, you know, um, everything like that. So it's, it's really interesting. Um, but I also find it pretty fun. Uh, one of the actresses, and I'm not going to try to pronounce her name, but actually, uh, Quentin Tarantino watched this and she was put in as, uh, Gogo Yubari in, uh, Kill Bill. And it's always funny to me because I watch these two movies and I'm like, how did she not become a star? Not even in uh, in Japan. Like you look and it's like, she just really didn't have much of a career. She was mainly a model. 
And it's like, she is so good in both of these films. And uh, didn't so QT really say funny. this was his favorite film of all time? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, I also think that this film rewards multiple viewings. Um, and especially if you're watching it subbed. <laughs> like, I'm trying to imagine. I would like to rewatch it again, as you know, it was originally intended because yeah. this was like, it, it, I, I see why people like it. I just had a rough, rough go. Oh, yeah. I, I don't think I could have, I don't think I could have done it either. Um, I'm imagining if I had pulled that up and it was in dub, I probably would have just turned it off and read the Wikipedia again. I do want to kind of add on to the Kill Bill um, conversation just a little bit. Oh, yeah. Not only was, uh, I am going to probably uh, be terrible at this, but Chiaki Kuriyama, uh, she plays Takako in Battle Royale and Gogo in Kill Bill. What Quentin Tarantino wanted to do and unfortunately this couldn't have happened just because of like scheduling conflicts was Gogo was supposed to have a sister named Yuki in the original cut, but, and he wanted to have Ko Shibasaki to play her sister Yuki. Unfortunately, they had, there were scheduling conflicts um, attributed to that. And unfortunately Ko couldn't be included in the, um, in Kill Bill. But um, Ko also played Mitsuku in Battle Royale. Oh, that's who's one of my favorite characters. Oh, yeah. Mitsuku is awesome. I love her. Yeah, Um, that's so interesting. I had no clue about that. There's also some speculation that Chiaki was also considered for the canceled Neon Genesis Evangelion live action as Rey. Oh, um, but that hasn't that hasn't been like completely confirmed. That's just what I've heard. Yeah, I could imagine that. Um, she's also in this movie called uh, The Great Yokai War, um, mm-hmm. which I watched as a kid. And so it was actually really funny that those three I watched all right back to back to back. And it was so funny to see like, oh, <laughs> this girl is everywhere right now. Um, but she's fantastic in that. And that movie is wild. So. I guess I should have done that as my recommendation for the week, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's that one's a really fun one too. Um, yeah, what was and I think the again? sequel just <laughs> the Great Yokai War. Um, a sequel actually just came out this year. Um, it oh, played yeah. at Fantasia. The Great Yokai War. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's super oh, fun. No. Shoot, I've heard of this. I've been trying to kind of go through Takashi Miike's filmography like slowly but surely just because like not everything is um readily available to me because I am a selfish American and I want all my movies easily accessible right now oh yeah I know exactly what you're talking about I spent $70 on a DVD from Amazon today. I'm not going to say which one because it's embarrassing, but I needed to have Excuse me, was it $70? (laughs) Yeah, that was the only collector's item. (laughs) Uh, No, 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 no. Hold on, Alina. Let's be clear. This better be available other places because I'm not spending $70 fucking on this movie. I was like, when she was like, when she was like, it's on Amazon. By the way, this is the Toby Keith movie. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay. For backstory, 
for some reason, <laughs> I have like gotten like incredibly obsessed with Toby. Just this week, I'm literally obsessed with him. And like for Clapper, we always do like birthday specials. So my birthday is in April. So I told Colin Park. Oh my God. I told <laughs> Carson and Paul that we're, <laughs> that we're doing a Toby Keith double you feature okay? because it fits our brand of this being a stupid ass podcast. It's so funny. <laughs> no, no, okay. no. Like $70. Okay. <laughs> I'm not okay. <laughs> I'm going to guess. It is either beer for my horses, broken bridges, or Tennessee whiskey. It's I, I paid seventy dollars for beer for my horses. <laughs> All right, I've got I, I've got the letterbox up for it right now. Let's vigilante justice. It's a real blast. Beer for my horses tells the story of two best friends that work together as deputies in a small town. The two defy the sheriff and head off on an outrageous road trip to save the protagonist's girlfriend from drug lord kidnappers. Now that, I understand why you paid $70 for. I think it has a 2.3 on Letterboxd and the other one mm-hmm. has a 2.9. So like, nonsense. I'm ready for it. Can't wait for April. It also drops on 420, so we're going to get high and watch them if you want to come back. <laughs> if you're wanting okay. a high cinema. God, it only cost $70 to get the movie. So, okay. <laughs> no, Carson, I will somehow figure out how to like send it to you. I'll mail it I'm, to you guys. We are not, me and Paul are going to like have to share the DVD copy. <laughs> okay. That was does off it, track. I doesn't was gonna... appear to be streaming mm-hmm. anywhere, FYI. So, we'll we find, definitely um, are going to have to find a way. <laughs> this is amazing. Um, we have okay. months to figure it out. Okay. Battle Royale. So, yeah. Um, well, I was going to go to the next one. Um, so well, the I other one, can I quickly jump oh, in on Battle Royale? Yeah. I was shoving yeah. my face full of food, so I didn't really get to talk about it. Um, <laughs> I, I do think it's quite good. I think it's interesting comparing this and something like Hunger Games. I think both kind of are opposites of each other. I think the social commentary of Hunger Games is probably stronger than this, but like, as you mentioned, the actual fighting is so much more impactful and so much better here. The, the deaths, there's some really f- like fun deaths, which is weird to say, cause it's like children getting graphically murdered. Um, and I'm a school teacher, so maybe it's therapeutic in a sense for me, but like, <laughs> I just thought that there's a lot of really good deaths. The characters are fun. There's some iconic pieces of dialogue in this. Like it is incredible mm-hmm. at times. Um, I had a lot of fun with that. I don't think it's quite like a masterpiece. Maybe I've watched it subtitled, it would be. Um, but I, I really enjoy this. I think when you talk about like action and s- movies like this, there's a lot like this. This is definitely one of the better ones. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Also, it's it's killing me because I can't imagine some of these characters having like dubbed voices because some of their acting is what makes this movie. Um, yeah. Especially like, especially um, there's a sequence. Uh, is it Mitsuko? Mitsuko? Is that right? I believe so. Yeah. Um, her introduction scene is some of the best acting in like one of these kind of like, you know, slasherish kind of movies, um, because you fully believe that she might be good based on how, how early in the film it is. But you're also like, this girl's probably insane. And it's a lot to do with how she vocalizes some of the stuff. So I feel like some of mm-hmm. that would be lost. Um, also, you know, uh, point to your dialogue. Um, I'd be curious to see how correct the dialogue is. Um, I don't think how, it is. Cause... How similar it is to the, the written stuff. Because, yeah, well, there is some crazy lines. But Yeah. 
when when I was watching it, I also had like subtitles on, and like the dub did not match the subtitles. So <sighs> yeah, it's definitely that's different. Such a frustrating thing. Um, mm-hmm. cool. Well, let's move on to Uzumaki slash Spiral. I will preface this one. Um, I was thinking about choosing something more traditional, like Ringu, um, or The Grudge, but ultimately I decided to go with the one that I think is the craziest um, in terms of just like, what is this movie? But I don't know if it's necessarily the best. Like, I think there are better ones, but in terms of like both what would be good to talk about with the podcast and also just like in general, uh, you know, a movie that I think people should watch because it's, you know, a good crazy time. Uh, That's why I chose this one. I will say that Uzumaki is one of my favorite stories of all time. I think that it is a really intriguing look at paranoia within a small community and how it can eat kind of eat each other alive when they don't know who to trust, especially if you don't meet people your entire lives. I do say, I do think that that isn't as prominent in the film adaptation as it was in the original story but I do real. I'm not gonna lie I'm I do enjoy the fact that I have seen these like crazy kills and um crazy visuals like actually in real life well not necessarily in real life but in live action it's not exactly the best effects but um considering how crazy and um, not, I don't want to say unrealistic, but um, just it, the spiral is not something that is easily comprehensible. And so I think the fact that it's not, a, I think the fact that it's conveyed through like very dated technology, it makes sense in a way because it's not particularly good, but it's also, this makes sense. It makes sense that it would be depicted in this way. Yeah. No, totally. Yeah, I'm a um, huge Saw fan. So to see it like recontextualized here, I think Chris Rock does a great <laughs> job. No, wrong spiral. <laughs> Got it. No, I agree. Um, I the <laughs> manga artist, the guy behind the manga of that this movie is based on, is one of my favorite artists of all time. And the idea mm-hmm. of like him doing like that art style and his drawings being brought into live action is like, mm, I don't think that could happen. But I think this film does a really good job with it. I think like the live action, as you mentioned, is really like seeing these visuals, seeing these kills. It's really something. And yes, some of it looks dated. The movie doesn't necessarily look good, but like it has that early 2000s charm to where like, you know what? Mm-hmm. There's something weird. Like I can just vibe with it and I'm completely fine with it. I'm never like, oh God, it looks so bad. Like, it, you know what? I can have fun with it. It's goofy but like, it's perfectly fun. I think the story is like really quite lackluster and forgettable. Um, I wouldn't mm-hmm. recommend like, oh, this is such a deep watch. I'm really going to write a thesis about this, but like, you know what? I would show this to a friend. I would like get drunk and show this to a friend and be like, look at all the crazy body horror shit in here. And I'd have a great time with it. It's definitely a movie that if you're not entirely aware of the source material, you'll like, you'll think it's fine. It's okay. It's like early 2000s, like stuff. But if you're really familiar with 
the story of Uzumaki and actually like Junji Ito's work as a whole, I feel like you will go away from it feeling a little empty in terms of the story, mm-hmm. just because his stories are always just not only just full of these insanely good visuals and um, stuff that you you can't even see yourself imagining, let alone like seeing on paper like this. Um, but they're also just really well written and they really like, it tries to tug at your heartstrings and making you feel like you're actually invested in these characters, no matter how long or short the story actually is. And so trying to trying to cram everything into like an hour, 30 minutes to two hours movie, it's not going to do it justice, but it does it justice enough where it's not like terribly offensive or disrespectful to the original story. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to talk about the actual movie in a second, but do you guys remember that post that Channing Tatum made when he was like going off about how much he loves spirals. <laughs> you said that to the group chat today and I, I was know, like I forgot it... about this but I remember when I read it I was like uh-oh. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and like <laughs> so as I was watching this movie this morning that post was like the only thing I could think of while I was watching it so like I don't know what was happening to me there, but could you imagine like Channing Tatum in this movie? I feel like you'd have a good time with it purely <laughs> because of that post. But yeah, I just did struggle a bit getting into this, but like as it continued, I think it, like Aaron said, it is there like a really good um, exploration about like small town paranoia. Like as someone from a small town, people go crazy in like rural <laughs> communities and small town communities and things like that. Like if things like spread so easily, so like it was really interesting to like see that like through a film medium and um yeah I thought a lot of the like kills and like graphics and whatever like even though they were like outdated they still looked really cool like the washing machine one and like the part when like his tongue is like out and like wrapped all around him like it was they have there's like some solid stuff in this like it was it was gross but it still looked nice cool I would have been scared of it if I didn't watch it during daylight hours yeah, there's some I, uh, faces in this one. I thought you were going to be like, I know. <laughs> I'm like, Paul, I told you I don't like scary faces. <laughs> uh, literally, well, you had actually, one request, Paul, don't give scary faces. And, every and you know week what? There's something. That's why, but that's why I uh, didn't choose a lot of things like Ringu as well. There's a lot more scary faces in those than in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, these do and have. Yeah, you like, picked Hellraiser for next week. Yes, well, Hellraiser <laughs> is my uh, is my one <laughs> that I'm going to keep. Um, but yeah. I um I really love this movie. I watched it as a kid. Um, my dad and I got into a kick post uh, the original Ring uh, by Gore Verbinski and um, the original remake. Um, <laughs> but we got into like a J-horror kick and we watched pretty much every kind of um, horror that we could um, find of that. And this one just came up. And I remember we'd gotten like almost a little bit tired of all these. Um, cause they, they follow a very specific structure and then this one came up and it doesn't, and it's crazy. And there's stuff that like, I remember as like, you know, <laughs> before I rewatched it for the podcast, um, I hadn't watched it since I was a teenager and I could remember the entire movie because so much of it freaked me out as a kid, even like the girl with the hair, 
um, there's this girl who uh, has more and more elaborate hairstyles until it's like got a life of its own that's all spirals. Um, I remember that freaking me out as a kid. Um, and yeah, to your point, like it is something that feels very like of a uh, animation world brought to life, which is really impressive. Um, this the snail children and all this stuff. There's so much gross and weirdness that's just like so fun. And uh, I'm interested, a little disappointed that I read that the new adaptation is going to be animated, which makes sense. But uh, I would have liked to have seen like a more modern attempt at this, maybe as a series or something. Um, is that animated one an American or Japanese production? Do you know? I think it's, it's a co-production. Co yeah, it's a co-pro. You know who's directing uh, it? Uh, it it's a TV show. Oh, so I think it'll be multiple directors. Um, I think it's through Cartoon Network. Am I right? Uh, Adult Swim Tsunami Block. Swim. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that that goes. Um. But yeah, it's am... been it's been like oh, two or three. Oh, I was gonna say it's been like two or three years that they've been trying to get it done. I think COVID screwed it up a little bit. Um, yeah, I believe uh, part. I believe it is going to be released next year, and they did attribute the difficulties of working and communicating on this and adaptation from COVID, just like every other sort of production nowadays. But I, if there is anything that I am excited for about this new adaptation it's the fact that they didn't do the mistake that the Junji Ito collection did was make it color because adding color to the stories um, of Junji Ito I don't think it makes them as scary or as like inherently disturbing so the fact that they're doing it completely in black and white I think it's a really good decision on their part yeah, it looks really fun. This director, uh, um, <clears throat> sorry, Hiroshi Nagam, I'm not going to even try to pronounce it, um, but he did like <laughs> Mushishi, he did Mushishi. He's done like a lot of really interesting visual stuff. I'm not fully familiar with his work, but it all looks really interesting. So I'm hopeful, actually. He seems yeah. like a really good voice for this. Yeah, it's, it's definitely something I've been excited about. Um, and so now it'll be kind of fun, you know, when it comes out, we can uh, swing back around and talk about it knowing some stuff about it okay and now let's end this thing how we always do going around giving our film recommendations alina take it away what is your recommendation for this week gonna be mine this week is insane and it's also gonna annoy yakka because he I, i've heard that he gets mad at us whenever we don't um recommend like a film like when i recommended a youtube channel he was like what are you doing so this week i'm recommending a live concert performance of toby keith's <laughs> okay so i was on youtube how much did this one cost like a, you a hundred no 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 it was, it was free on youtube i was just my youtube recommendations are like really coming through for me so i found this video of them doing like a tribute to hank williams jr and it was so cute and pure like the video is like nine minutes long and like the first half is like people talking about how much they love hank williams jr i'm like same um, and then it like changes and Toby Keith does a cover of his song, A Country Boy Can Survive. And it's so fucking good. Like I normally don't like covers and I'm like 
purely like the original artist is like the best one usually but like this cover of the country boy can survive like really um it like really honors the original version but then like toby makes it his own he's such a good singer and i fucking cried when i was watching it and i've watched it like 20 times since then it's amazing and mainly the reason i'm recommending this is because i didn't watch any movies that were not podcast related this week so i have nothing else other than my toby keith obsession so here we are it's okay it's okay alina um aaron what's your recommendation this week remember when i said that i had something um like I had something related to the Halloween series. Well, one of Shudder's many new additions to this month is Blood Rain, um, which it's a fairly middling um, cult movie. It stars William Shatner as the obligatory, like disgruntled um, protagonist. But what makes it so notable and what kind of makes it a cult film is that the mask, that um, they produced of William Shatner's face for a particular shot was the direct inspiration for Michael Myers's mask. In fact, they had mass produced those ma- William Shatner masks. And what John Carpenter did was just paint over it. And that's how the iconic Michael Myers mask. I am so sorry, it's the no. devil's reign. So yes, if you have Shudder, check, and if you're interested in like horror trivia and horror history, um, check out The Devil, The Devil's Reign, not uh, Blood Reign, like I previously said, like a moron. <laughs> um, and yeah, that's, I think that's it. Okay, Paul, what's your recommendation going to be for this week? Okay, I'm going to surprise myself and I'm going to say Cop Shop. Um, I went and saw it uh, uh, last Monday and I was really expecting it to just be like a completely worthless, like kind of simple movie. And it's actually a lot of fun. And I think it's a lot to do with um, the star of it, uh, Alexis Lauder, who apparently was in Tomorrow War. And I actually went back and watched a couple scenes of Tomorrow War to find her and she's barely in it. but she's fantastic. She really holds the film together. And also it kind of feels like, uh, you know, I wrote in my Letterboxd review that it feels like almost what I'd imagine a Arkham Asylum show to be like, in that it's just crazy people running around being crazy and, you know, trying to be stopped. Uh, It's really interesting though. Um, I had a lot of fun with it. Perfect. And then my recommendation this week, um, there was a play to come out this week filmed on Netflix called Diana the Musical. Was not good. Would oh, not no. recommend that. Oh my God. But the director also released on Apple TV Plus last month, um, he released a thing called Come From Away. It was the first Broadway play back on Broadway, apparently. Um, and it tells the true story of when 7,000 passengers became stranded in a tiny town in Newfoundland after September 11th. And this is such a good play. I just threw it on casually one night, like, oh, I'm just going to watch it. And like Apple TV Plus does not miss unless you're talking about Cherry. Uh, it's just, it's so good. This is such a good play. The mo- songs are memorable. It is so wholesome. Everyone has a Canadian accent and that's sweet. So like, I really recommend this one. If you want like a fun stage version but you can't afford to go to Broadway. Like this was great. And it also has the added context of like everyone being super emotional because like Broadway's back and I've never been to Broadway. So I'm not like, Oh my God, my favorite theaters, but I'm like, you know what? That was sweet. So 
I'd recommend Come From Away. Um, and that's going to be it for this episode of Clappercast. Where can we find everyone on social media? Alina? I am at Alina Falds on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. You can follow me all those places for more unhinged Toby Keith tweets. Paul? Uh, you can find me at PriceLikeTag on Twitter and Letterboxd. Aaron? Uh, you can find me on both Twitter and Letterboxd at Aaron Martina. And if you want to follow my Instagram for whatever reason, it's Air Instabrady. That's E-R-I-N-S-T-A-B-R-A-D-Y. Follow it. She put up with us for like two hours today. Like you have to give her something <laughs> in return. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, I appreciate that. Uh, trust me it's <laughs> i'm happy that you were here uh, uh you can follow, follow me on twitter at bp underscore movie reviews letterbox carson tomorrow thank you so much for listening we have new episodes every single wednesday email us with your thoughts on the carnage haunted house if you went at clavercast at gmail.com um like subscribe share five stars even if you don't mean it you're giving titane five stars and it doesn't deserve it so you can give us even if you don't think we deserve it Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week to discuss all things cinema. Goodbye.